welcome back to Dose of Support, a podcast where healthcare professionals share their stories and find community. Let's learn from each other and utilize some self-care in healthcare. I'm Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner, and I'm here to help our guests have a platform to share. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider and neither are my guests, but we do encourage you to seek out care from your own professional. This podcast is not affiliated with any employer. And let's also remember to protect privacy and abide by HIPAA. It's hard out there. So let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the huddle this week, you guys. I, you know, I'm I'm struggling just a little bit, uh, like I think a lot of us are. I there's some people in my life that just want to quote keep the peace, and I'm over here like, what peace? And I'm talking politically, of course, because like there there hasn't been peace for a long time, especially for people that have been oppressed for a long time. So. I just think, you know, with 200,000 Americans dead from COVID, if Trump had moved on COVID as fast as he did at this Supreme Court vacancy, we maybe would be in a different situation when 200,000 people might not be dead and their families in mourning. I'm angry. So I'm having a little bit of that. And I'm just going to sit with that because like that's healthy and normal. Um, and then you got to redirect that energy like Joe taught us in last week's episode. And if you listen to last week's episode, then you know that I went to the DMV and it was actually probably the best experience I've ever had at a DMV. There was two other people there. I didn't have to wait because, you know, I had to make an appointment. And so like, you know how in like pre-COVID world, you would like take a ticket or take a number and like maybe wait a half hour and it would be packed and there'd be tons of people there and you just like oh my gosh yeah this was super easy so in the meantime I registered to vote at my new address and so that is checkmark taken care of and we can really use our voices this November because it really matters so This week, we have former U.S. Army medical corpsman Allie Mitchell bringing us her dose of rugby. Now, you guys, if you know me, you know I don't sport. I don't do it. I don't know anything about it. I don't want to, like, it's not my thing. So trust me when I say you don't need to know anything about rugby to listen to this episode. Allie really, she brings her experience from the battlefield as as a U.S. Army corpsman into coaching, especially while working with her fellow vets. Thanks to Allie and all of the servicemen and women who enlist and fight for our country, I wanted to extend that thank you. And because of that, I think this is a really important perspective to hear. The military uses healthcare personnel really differently. And so here we are, episode 14 with Allie Mitchell. Stay tuned. So 
today on the show, I have Allie, who's a retired U.S. Army nurse and medic. She's here to share a story of pandemonium. She works with Sarah, a massage therapist, and together they host the show, Finding Your Mana. They co-venture their business, Tori Rugby, where they share their expertise in organizational and team health, wellness, and coaching. Welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Vanessa. Is that like a good a good intro or did I cover yeah, it or yeah, like perfect? Yeah. You got a few you got a few balls in the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's definitely that's that's the case. We do. Um I was in the military for quite a while and um now I've loved rugby since I was in grade school and it's been a part of my life through the military, um, through college, through everything, and now it's my job. I'm a coach at a at a university in North Carolina, um, and I love I love being a part of the community, and I love what rugby does for our community and within it. There's a lot of really intelligent people who are a part of the sport, so I joined together with one of my friends, and over the COVID break, we decided to start a business. I think a lot of people are finding that there is space for that during COVID. I mean, they're home, their wheels are spinning, they're looking for what is the next thing, and they actually have time. Like some people have more time now than they have had in their whole life to sit back and think about these things. And that's actually how this podcast came about as well, where I... I, I know that people are working hard at the bedside and some people are even being put on furlough um, that have expertise to work at the bedside with COVID patients and they're being furloughed. And I just think everything that's happening out there, we need to capture it. And so that's how Dose of Support was born as well. So, um, so let's go back to your maybe to the beginning. How did you get into healthcare in general? Um, my mom was a nurse and, um, just our family, my grandma actually drove the ambulance during world war two. Um, yeah, she was, she was in Italy driving ambulance. Um, so it's just kind of been, um, she did that with the, with the, uh, Red Cross, um, so she was a Red Cross nurse. Um, it's just kind of been in our family for a long time. I've always been intrigued by medicine. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, really. I just didn't know as a as a student coming out of school, like coming out of high school. I didn't know. <laughs> so I moved away. I started going to school and I became a CNA. And um, I was like, this really isn't cutting it for me. (laughs) Um, And in Washington state, CNAs and LPNs used to be a very easy transition. It was just a couple more classes, um, you know, for dosages and some math classes. And you could challenge, you could challenge the state, the state testing. So I did that. And um, then I decided, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to do a bigger degree than an associate's degree. And I really like science. So I went a little further and I got my bachelor's and and I was working, I worked as a phlebotomist, um, 
during the time I was going to school. So it was just, it was just like a, it was really a whole fun. A bunch of different roles there. So certified nursing assistant, that's what a CNA is for the listeners out there. And if anyone wants to learn more about that job, go back to episode three, where we talked to Dan, our CNA who works in acute rehab. Um, and then LPN, or yes, is it's licensed. also called... LVN, LVN yeah. in some states as well. And we have an episode on that too. So y'all can go back to the old episodes to find that if you want to learn more about those roles. But then also you went into phlebotomy work, which is really like drawing blood on people. Did you, did you start IVs, that kind of thing? Actually, so I worked in a um, apheresis, plasmapheresis um, center. Ooh, and that is very different. Yes. Um, and I was like the vein queen. If there was like a tiny vein or like a little vein or somebody with tough veins, it was me. That was love my... That. I love that. You're that person that everybody I'm... calls. I'm that one. And yep. you're, the, you're the good stick of the bunch. I gotcha. So um... that's how I paid. That's how I paid for. Um, that's how I paid for CNA school and um, for, for a, a lot of my nursing degree. So this was outside of the military. Is that yes. right? Yes. I actually joined while I was still getting, finishing up my bachelor's um, and I was a reservist and um, I had what's called um, a delayed basic training. So I didn't do my basic training until I finished school. Let's back up for a second. Why did, why were you like, I'm going to join the military? Like who, who in your life or what changed in your life that you're like, I guess I'm enlisting or I guess, you know what I mean? Like you don't just like decide that one day. Um, I don't know. It had always been something that I kind of thought I might do. It was just always kind of there in the back of my head as like a teenage, teenage me was kind of like, that sounds like kind of like a cool thing to do. Like, <laughs> it sounds like you were always like leaning towards that. And then one kind of, day yeah. it was just the right time. And mm -hmm. so you start in the military, you have some of this training and then you graduate. And what kind of job did you do when you first started the military? Um, so I first worked in physical therapy. Um, I worked in a physical therapy clinic and basically in the army on the enlisted side, regardless of whatever licenses you may hold, you work on a doctor's license. So I might have my own license, but I'm working on my doctor's license. So if he says that I can do cut downs on veins, I can do cut downs on veins. If he says that I can do minor surgeries, I can do minor surgeries, whatever minor surgeries that he has or she has checked off and says that I am qualified, that he has or she has witnessed me and has said that I can do. Because in a, in a combat situation or in a deployment situation, there's a chance your doctor does not go out on, out, they don't go out on convoys. They don't go out on missions. They stay back in the hospitals. Right. So as a, as a medical personnel, you know, you travel with, with your, with your team. And if something happens, you might be the only medical personnel providing care for a group of 45 to 100 people gotcha. and you have to be trained and you have to be able to do certain things like put in chest tubes open airways you know 
if you have to be able to find to do a cut down you have to be able to find vein when you might not be able to so the idea of having all of these extra abilities and then having them taken away when you get back to the civilian side is is very um it's very daunting almost i want to say okay well i have lots of questions so let's let's back the train up so um in in the military is a is a doctor defined only as a physician or a doctor of osteopathy a do um you know i actually am not sure um, and the reason I ask this is I am in a state that allows for independent practice of nurse practitioners or other advanced uh, so other advanced do, providers where I I can perform minor surgery without a physician right. oversight, for example. And so what I'm wondering is in the military, is it still the good old boys club where um, the mm. the old school physician is that is that person that you're working under no because we worked under pas and okay. i think nps we did okay yeah. so they could also sign off on our um uh the best redundancy in in the medical is calf folder so they could sign off on our calves but i think i think that a lot of these civ in the civilian world a lot of these lines that i wouldn't cross it sounds like in the military world, you would cross those lines. Based it's, on actu it's actually dependent on your branch. Ooh. So the Air Force does not operate in the same way that the Army does, and neither does the Navy. So, um, And it also depends for the Air Force and the Navy if you are deployed or not. So uh, during the time I was stationed in Alaska... Um, it's now called Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. Um, at one point in time, the Army and the Air Force used to share the duties of running um, ambulance services on post. Um, now it's just the Air Force and Army sometimes goes and does a couple rotations, but it's mainly just the Air Force. The Air Force can't perform, give push meds. They can't do anything without calling to their medical director first, like most oh, ambulance man. services. Okay. So that runs the same way that any other paramedic service would run within the United States. So, you know, if you're a paramedic or EMT basic, um, you would have to call into your medical director and say, hey, can I push? I don't know. Atropine. Can I? Exactly. Thank gotcha. You. So, yeah. Can so, I push and, this? and I have not interviewed a paramedic or, or an EMT yet on the show. So, I would love to, if you're listening, please send your recommendations my way. But um, I, I do know that it does that vary by state as well within the U.S. What paramedics um, are allowed to do? I can't speak to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, every state is so different. Right. Um, and then there's also NAS national registry as well. Yeah. So, you know, each, so you would have, you would have to call that into the medical director on the air force side as army. All we would have to do is push it. If this person needs this, there's a medical indication. Do I have the things that I'm required to have on hand to push said drug? Okay. Push it <laughs> like that's it. 
So okay. Army side, we didn't have to call the medical director. We would show up to the emergency room and say, okay, this person's had this, 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 and this. Here you go. Bye. <laughs> On versus, you know, having to call down to the hospital first, the medical director and say, can I push this? So that's the difference of working on somebody else's license versus working on your own, where the Air Force, you work on your own army, we work on our doctors. Okay. All right. So it's, it's convoluted and, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It needs, it needs fixing. It's clear as mud, clear as mud. Um, So you get into the military, you start working in a physical therapy clinic with with wounded vets or what kind of work was it? Uh, actually, it was on a um, on a base where they do basic training and advanced individual training. So um, I was working with people who had been in training and gotten hurt. Oh, like sports injuries. Kind of. Yeah. So like maybe they were running and they fell and tore their ACL or, you know, they were in week two of basic training and they broke their arm, things like that. So um, their job was to do physical therapy all day, every day um, until they were better. And that's that's where I worked. And I basically took on the role of a physical therapy assistant um, or a physical therapy tech. Depends on which and state you're in, how that recalls. Does the military also have those? They or... do. They, they are referred so... to as a 68 Whiskey November 9. Oh, that's that's the, uh, the nomenclature for that. But Interesting. As, a, as a medic, um, as a medic who's a nurse, as an LPN medic, you are a 68 Whiskey Mike 6. That's, that's your nomenclature. Um, each, as a 68 whiskey, which is what a combat medic or healthcare specialist, um, that is what your your larger one is, you can be assigned to any place that a 68 whiskey with a different nomenclature can be assign, assigned to, as long as you are given the proper training to work there. So if if they need somebody to fill that spot, and you happen to still be in the larger 68 whiskey family, they will put you there, train you. And now you have this role. So, and now I want some whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, what, what kind of jobs did you, how long were you in the military? Um, On active duty, I was in for five years. And I'm guessing then, because they can pluck you and put you wherever they need you, you did a variety of jobs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was, um, like, what did you see combat? Um, I, I mean, like, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> I like how you're kind of not sure. <laughs> well, so what what america thinks combat looks like is this like very glorified you know hurt locker um you know saving private ryan yeah kind of kind of idea and that's not what i saw okay um, <laughs> did i get shot at yeah like a couple times maybe there was some farmers shooting at our helicopter with You're some pistols so that nonchalant was... about it like they were just oh, shooting at our helicopter with it. some pistols it was never gonna hit us but okay. you know 
was I scared while I was there? Yeah, a few times, definitely. Um, would I do it again? Yes. Um, my purpose there was to be female um, because women can't touch. Like if, if I was a male medic, I could not frisk a, a female in Afghanistan. So a female has to frisk another female. So tell me, tell me more about that. So the military wanted you to serve in that role or was that, are you talking about caring for civilians? So my, my job, my, my place was on a small team. Um, There was myself and one other female who was a crew chief for our our helicopter crew. Um, And we would go out into, into different areas and we would pick up civilians or pick up um, Afghani nationals or, um, and bring them to safety or trade with them for information, things like that. Um, I did not spend much time in a uniform the entire time I was there. Um, so there were a lot of times that we would have to frisk people. Sometimes they were hurt. Sometimes we'd be out doing something that the military calls coin. Um, it's something that is basically, Hey, we're the good guys. We want you to come help us have some maps. Here's some food. Here's some water, you know, trying to like outreach. Right. Exactly. Okay. But sometimes that involves, you know, people touching people, Like sometimes we have to frisk people. Sometimes there's people who are injured. And if there are people who are injured or people who need medical attention or things like that, um, a male medic could not touch because of cultural differences, um, could not touch a a female, a female who is Afghani. Um, So that means that was my job. Uh, I could touch an Afghani male. That's fine. But um, a male could not touch an Afghani female. Okay. So it's it's good that the military was at least cognizant of this cultural difference. But did it make you feel different about your job? Or did it how do you how do you feel about that? It was fine. You know, I felt like we did help people in some rural areas that needed help. You know, we set some I got to set some fractures and things that, you know, wouldn't have been able to be set that might have caused some deformities and things that, you know, over time could have been very detrimental to somebody's life. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, it wasn't some glorified, you know, tourniquets and picking bullets out of holes or anything like, like you would see in the movies. That's which is crazy because that's like the type of work I've done. So, um, and we can we can get into that later, but um, okay. So then, so you're five years in. You get out. Um, what made you get out? What was the? How did you break ties? So my ex husband and I were actually on the same deployment cycles, which meant that we would be deployed at the same time, and we had two children, so that just was not going to work oh. at all. So we just couldn't do that. Um, so uh, I got out. And he stayed in. Um, We ended up moving quite a few more times. And then um, I I had worked, I worked orthopedics when we got out. 
for a little while. And um, when I got out and that's when I realized, like, I don't think that civilian medicine was like made for, like I'm not made for civilian medicine. Um, Did you like, let's just like for a second. Did you want to be out? Um, not really. No. So as a typical mother and woman in American society, you gave up your career Mm -hmm. in a sense to be a mom, which is a wonderful job. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, I'm saying like our culture makes women give up what they enjoy doing um, just so that their children will thrive because men are not expected to do that. I just wanted to like get it out there. And, but I thought, well, what if she really wanted out? And so that's why I asked, because if you didn't really want out, it really is sad in a way. It's like a saying goodbye. You had to say goodbye. Uh, You know, I did, however, see, I got to do more work and I got to see more things back in Alaska working in the physical therapy clinic there. Um, I got to work with a lot of people, a lot of soldiers um, who come home who'd been injured that lost people, that lost their friends, that lost their roommates, that lost people that they lived with and had to come home in the middle of a deployment to a house where all three of the guys that they lived with were dead and they had to clean their things out and mail it back to their parents. And during the meantime, you know, they had shrapnel coming out of holes in their legs and our PT sessions in the clinic. And if you if you look at that and you look at that transition even out of the military into what we call what we deem as this socialized health care that's great um but it's not the VA right um it, it's not it's not prepared for the amount of veterans we have this war has been going on for we're looking at 20 years this year the end of this year yeah and there are so many veterans. There are so many people. And so I got to, to work with these guys daily. You know, I got to see them. I got to see them be able to walk better. I got to see them stand better. I got to do. Those are the things that I miss. Those are the those are the those are the things that I truly miss because those interactions sometimes are the only interactions that they've had that are positive for months. So besides your businesses that we'll talk about in a little bit, what kind of work have you been doing recently in the civilian world? Um, so I work with a nonprofit called Wandering Warriors um, Rugby, and we work with homeless veterans and other organizations with homeless veterans um, trying to help them not be homeless anymore um, and getting them off the streets because homeless veterans are actually the l- largest representation of homeless people in the United States. Um, 
and we go to a different, we go to different tournaments and we raise money for an organization there. And um, we make sure that it's that community that we are in. And we work closely with community with um, down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, with the Chatham Savannah Authority for the Homeless, and they're building tiny houses. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, for the veteran community. We've done donations of kind, furnishing them. And um, we worked with Operation Renewed Hope Foundation and um, the DMV, which uh, District of Columbia, um, Maryland, and Virginia, like where they all kind of meet there. And um, they built, well, they, they bought a house and they built a center within it that offers housing. It offers job, help with jobs. It offers mental health counseling and health. So what like total well-being projects. It sounds like what you do is more of, I mean, you do like coaching, of course, yes. but it, it sounds also like you do some social work in a way. Like yeah, what, I guess. What a civilian <laughs> social worker would do. In some ways, yeah. I'm more of the administrative side. Okay, okay. So this is such important work, underserved areas and... I feel like our veterans are often forgotten and it sounds like you're kind of approaching a lot of problems with transition to civilian life in a fun way with sports and with um, all these different organizations getting in and helping. I just think that work needs to be highly highlighted and it's kind of a whole different side of healthcare. When you think about um, the social determinants of health, you are helping people before they get sick. You're helping them live healthy lives. You're helping them get healthier. Uh, you're helping them get services that they might need to get healthier. Right. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of people think when they think well-being, they're thinking like yoga and, you know, right. like some crunchy mama kale stuff with, <laughs> you know. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. If y'all are out there like, I love yeah, that stuff. No. That's okay. Exactly. And that's but that fine. That might not be what a veteran needs, right? Well, well-being isn't necessarily, you know, yoga and meditation. While yoga and meditation are freaking awesome, I meditate all the time because I'm an angry little human sometimes. But um, well-being isn't just one part of it. it well-being is about financial well-being and your social well-being and, you know, your health and all of the different pieces of who you are as a person coming together to make a total person. So, you know, that's part of like what we focus on with Tori and that's Sarah's total, that's her job. <laughs> like she's one of the very first people um, to get certified in, in well-being models and things like that in the United States. And she's doing that certification in the UK and, you know, that's part of who we are at Tory is is building proper well-being for for not just athletes but for people. When we come back, we're going to talk about the podcast Finding Your Mana. Am I saying that right? Mana or yes. Mana? It's Mana. It's mm -hmm. Mana. That's what I thought. And then we'll talk about Tory Rugby, your your business with your co-founder Sarah. So, we'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to Dose of Support. We have Allie, our retired U.S. Army nurse and medic, here with us, and she and her partner, Sarah, have decided to launch, you know, a business in the pandemic called Tory Rugby, you know, like that's not hard. And then <laughs> also a podcast called Finding Your Mana. So I think what we need to do is highlight what these are about. So take it away, Allie. So Tory stands for the original rugby influencer. And um, we came up with this idea together. And I said, like, what about Tory? know like the original rugby influencer and she's like I don't know if like we want something like another person's name to represent us so it was just kind of this thing that we threw around a bit and she had been wanting to to make a business for a long time that encompassed like a well-being model and we wanted to have a platform just to highlight what we're good at and highlight the things that we care about and um and what are those things so tell me more about what about what the well-being platform really means at Tory Rugby? It's really looking at the total picture of who each individual is, you know, looking at your financial wellness and your physical wellness, your mental, your mental health and and all of the things that encompass you, you know, your what your family well-being looks like, what your home life looks like, what your work life looks like you know, and putting all of those things together into a model. So you're the the duo of you, the two of you offer consultation services in, in the means of like working with an organization or a team, or do you also do individual type coaching? We also do individual. uh, We also work with players, um, athletes, um, even individuals, if they wanted to come to us. Um, we do branding and marketing. So, you know, if you want to do, you know, like your own resume or to, to put yourself out there better, or to just put more, to build a better brand, to put out there to people, we do all of that. So starting with web design, you know, logo design, um, and getting down to branding you as a person, and putting you putting you out there and then consulting for business side um you know that means going in looking at your organization building models and setting up different um systems that help you that can help you run your organization better yeah and then like with both of you having a health a healthcare background like it's you're bringing you're bringing health and well-being a whole set of knowledge into your business. And so when you apply your knowledge and help a, a team or a business or an individual, you're really bringing like health and well-being with you and all of that knowledge and maybe giving some giving your clients something that they wouldn't get somewhere else, right? Exactly. So, you know, there are a lot of other companies out there who do similar things, but, you know, something I can offer that maybe they they can't is a concussion model, you know? Absolutely. We know there's so much research on that now and we know we have to protect people. Right. And so, you know, like I can offer, you know, how do you protect your players HIPAA 
privacy? How do you how do you protect this? How do you set this up and still have access to these documents, but actually protect their privacy rights without sharing this with management, without doing this, but keep it to just your players and maybe your coaches? How do you do this? How does this work? How do you how does this look, you know, on paper versus in in action? I have to say I don't sport at all, so I don't know um, anything about this world. But the the ideas that you've brought up here about maintaining player privacy and HIPAA and the specific problems that come up among athletes like a torn ACL or a concussion or repeated TBI type injuries, I mean, that's a whole sphere in the world of sports that really could use the the influence of Tory rugby. Yeah, well that's that's kind of why we're here and that's my role in it on on one side um and it's a really good example of how health and wellness is really interwoven into our entire lives. A college yes. student, uh, a teacher, um, and I know right now in a pandemic, we're all talking about going back to school and what that's going to look like. And this episode will probably air around that time. And and health and wellness is in everything we do, whether it or is. not it really we've is. acknowledged it and whether or not there is an expert there with with the right background to help you. And it sounds like you're that expert or you have been that expert in the room at times where there hasn't been somebody to speak up for the health and wellness of, of people. Right. So if you're not that expert, you know, that's what Tori can be for you. If you need that expert. Or if you need help finding that expert, we will, if I'm not that expert, if you need somebody else, I will find that for you because that's, that's what we want to do with our, with our company. And so what finding your mana is about, um, mana is, um, is a word that in different island cultures means different things. And so we took kind of an amalgamation of what it means in Maori, what it means in um, Hawaiian culture, what it means in um, Fijian, what it means, and all of those different, and we kind of made it our own. And um, so what it means for us is finding your purpose and your passion and finding like what you want to do with your life. You know, we're talking to people that that are doing good in the world and we continue to, we're planning on continuing to do that, um, especially as these months go on. And and as COVID continues into the into the next few months. So you are a retired nurse medic, mother of three, who works with veterans, kind of doing social service type work, and you host a podcast and you have a small business. And <laughs> how the hell do you take care of yourself? What is your self-care? Um, my self-care is, is my, is my family, actually. Um, that's my time for myself. And when I really, really, really need my 20 minutes of me time, you know, my 20 minutes of me time a day, um, I, I, I ask, I ask for it and I get it. I like to just go sit outside by myself sometimes and, and like I said, meditate, those, that's my that's my way or spend a weekend with the girls 
could take my weekend with the girls. But I think that giving back is is really how how I express myself because more than anything as women and especially as mothers, we lose a lot of who we are and we struggle to have an identity outside of being a mother because it comes back to that a lot. And so being able to express ourselves as something more than a mother, you know, like saying, you know, I am, I'm a coach, you know, I'm, I'm this, um, you know, I am a veteran. I'm, you know, I'm Allie. That's so identifying differently is in, in a way self-care. Because yeah. You're stepping out of that role for just a moment. Right. Exactly. You know, and being able to say I'm, I'm a mom takes me outside of, outside of my, my role as Allie, the coach, Allie of Tory Rugby, Allie, <laughs> the commissioner, Allie, you know, whatever role I'm in today. If listeners wanted to reach out to you or to Sarah or to your business, how do they do that? Um, you can email us at Tory Rugby. Um, so that'll be T-O-R-I at ToryRugby.com. And if you want to get me, just me, you can get me at Allie, A-L-L-E-Y, at ToryRugby.com. Excellent. And can you just outline your services and fees, maybe, if people were like, I don't understand what I could get if I go there? Yeah, of course. So our fees are on a case-by-case basis, obviously. Um, You know, they, your consultation is 100% free. if you come to us and you say, Hey, you know, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want. Well, we can help you look at that and, you know, kind of look into what you need as a person or what your business needs. But um, we have our elite athlete well-being, which goes into that well-being model and looks into each athlete themselves. And then we do have our consulting side and it's called Mana Consulting and that's our creative services, which is logo design, website building, photo and um, editing services. And let me just say like your logo is awesome. Like I, I went to your website. I've looked at like, I'm not just like promoting these guys because like, you know, I, I literally have never met Allie or Sarah and I went to their website and it's great. So I just want to appreciate that. that. (laughs) I want to, I want to plug that. I'm not just like having you here for no reason. Um, so tell me more about the podcast. Where can listeners find your show? Um, you can find us, it's finding your mana and that is on Spotify. It is on, um, on iTunes. I'm sorry, my brain is farting at this point. We're at 1030 tonight. So um, we're past my bedtime. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. Uh, you can find it on Stitcher and anywhere else you, you get your podcasts at. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for coming on Dose of Support today and for answering answering my millions of questions and my total ignorance about the military. Um, (laughs) And it's so nice to talk to a fellow mom who's like in it. Um, And listeners, if you want to find me or more about the show, you know what to do. I'm at 
Dose of Support on Instagram. You can find us in our private Facebook group called Dose of Support. I have my website, which is doseofsupport.com. I mean, it's all the things are just Dose of Support, but if you really want to support the show, ask our future guests some questions. Go to patreon.com dash doseofsupport, and you can be a Patreon. You, too, can influence the show. So thank you, everyone, for listening this week, and I will see you again next week. Every role in healthcare is important, and these experiences matter. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. Until then, make connections, you guys. Give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, and edited by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show, write a review, and leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again. <laughs>